Welcome to the Vegan Connection Podcast. Today's guest is April Tam Smith, philanthropist, investment banker, and co-owner of the nonprofit restaurant, P.S. Kitchen. Christina and April discuss the importance of compassion and the positive impact that P.S. Kitchen has made on marginalized individuals. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. So I have so much that I would love to discuss with you and hear about. <laughs> I know that there's so much that you do that's revolved around giving back and making a difference. You don't do it just by writing a check and getting dressed up and going to a gala. You actually make a difference. You are really creating opportunities for people. Really, they couldn't find anywhere else. And while you're doing that, you are also spreading a message of veganism, of equality, and really just showing how to be a good person. And you are the model of what we should all inspire to be. So thank you so much for being here. That's so kind. Thank you. Yes, of course. I would love for you to start with, I mean, I guess what came first, either your philanthropy or or did you go vegan first? Yeah, that's a great question. No, the the philanthropy very much came first. I actually didn't even know I was going to start a restaurant. (laughs) My idea was, hey, I want to start a business that gave away 100% of the profit. What business should it be? And then slowly we narrowed down to maybe having a restaurant because of the PSs that it's a value that I so cherish of PS Kitchen is yes, PS, we donate all of our profits, but also PS, we hire people who need a second chance like you just mentioned. And I don't have that many skills outside of what I do day to day, which is equity derivatives and I've never really cooked in the kitchen, but I was hoping and have seen enough programs that work so well in the culinary space that employ people who might not necessarily have that skill set yet, but they can be trained to do that. And as I reflect on my time of whether I am speaking to a mom in Haiti or mentoring a woman who is coming home from prison or serving in a safe home for women who are survivors of trafficking— I just keep hearing the same message is that I really would love a job. You know, I want to be able to provide for myself. And that's what got down to that second PS and what led us down to the path of hospitality. The basic fundamental, just wanting to have an identity where you can create an income and just live a a self-sustaining life. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we all deserve. I always get asked, oh, why do you do like you know, all that you do or isn't a day job on Wall Street enough, etc. And I realized that my job, um, yes, from a certain amount of hours during the day is to do this one thing in, in stocks, right? But my other job, yes, is also to run PS Kitchen and to help my staff. And they really run it. I mean, I'm still a little ignorant baby in the restaurant world. (laughs) But my main, main job I've come to realize over the last few years um, as I serve in the space of just walking alongside people is to affirm significance. That is my biggest mission in life is to affirm significance of letting people know that they are important and they have values, whatever things they might have gone through. And I think job creation is the biggest way to remind someone like, Hey, you matter. You have something to give. You have something to offer society. And you are significant. You are not just a random thing that just happened and that no one cares about. And job just really does that for for people. Yeah, people are not disposable. 
And I think what you're doing is really giving people hope also and, and purpose. And I think that without purpose, our lives can be boring and scary and I think what you're doing is just tremendous. I mean, Thank I can't. I, how many people do you have working at PS Kitchen? Um, usually, it's around sixty, actually. And since we've opened, we have given work to about forty-five people so far that are uh, from the marginalized background. We would say forty-five people who are not allowing their past to define their future. Yeah, And that is what a gift. It, I mean, it's so much more. You're giving them confidence. You know, you're giving them purpose. You're making it so that the, they can have a life with their family, right? And that's just beautiful. Wow. I was going to say, and sometimes it's not like I'm even giving to them. They just need to be reminded, you know? That's, that's a good point. The idea of like affirming the significance. I'm not giving them that significance, you know? It was uh, yeah. really amazing. A few weeks ago… I was volunteering at a prison upstate, Walk Hill Prison. And it was just this incredible moment where I didn't realize one of the guys I had hired on the spot at this one nonprofit, just small, low-key Christmas dinner a few months prior to that. And I started talking to this guy and I turned out he had only been out for three and a half weeks. And he was telling me about his small, like sweet girl that he loves her so much, his daughter. And how much you want to start over? And I said, hey, this is what we're all about. Like, you don't have to hide your past. We want you, like, not just despite of your past, but also because of your past. If you want to start over, like, come check us out. Showed up the next day. Best attitude ever. Oh, We hired him on the spot. And what was such a great reminder for me was, even though starting PS was actually super hard and we can get more into that, There was this moment when I was inside and the chair of our board, I serve on that board too, introduced me as the woman who hired this guy. We'll call him Chris. Okay. And it literally erupted into this giant, most amazing standing ovation where all these men in prison just started clapping and cheering and yelling. And I'm overhearing them say like, oh my goodness, it's true. He works in Times Square. Like, this is legit. And they're so proud of him. Oh, and, and you gave them, that gave them all hope. This hope that I didn't even, you know, I'm thinking so much of the people that are coming out and I want to give them hope of they can start over and they can have this job. But I'm not even thinking about those that are inside that have so admired this guy and looked up to him and knowing that he's found something so soon after. Uh, and this wonderful lady, she's the warden who loves these men. You can just tell she's like their mom. And she just came up to me and literally just gently just held my hand and was like, can I just tell you that I love you? Oh, You don't understand the hope that hearing Chris's story has given these men. And I also just, I was tearing up. You can imagine. I'm like, okay. This was so worth it. It was super hard, but it was worth every dime. I can only imagine. That's the most rewarding thing to hear because you're making a difference in all of those men's lives. Maybe, you know, to wake up each day with a positive attitude that they can move forward. And I think that most people, when you're in a situation and all that you can see is what's directly in front of you, you can tend to lose focus on what the possibilities are in the future. What you did was provide a lens for them. 
Yeah, unfortunately, you do become a number once yeah. you go inside. And I just hear stories like this over and over. It's like, I didn't think I matter anymore, you know? Oh. And to have that and to, you know, part of the volunteering that I do when we go inside is this program is 10 months long. It's called CEO YNL, CEO of your new life. And what a great name. Yeah, I love it. I didn't that one come up with it. It's, it's awesome. 10 months long. They have to go to class for two hours a day, Monday through Friday. So it's not the easiest thing. And you have to do a lot of reading. And what are they learning? They're actually becoming entrepreneurs, which is really cool. Yeah. So you're giving them the tools to be able to be self-sufficient. Exactly. You come up with your business idea, your pitch. You really have to practice your pitch. You do um, the Shark Tank style competition where volunteers come back in to give you feedback, etc. Um, and to remind them that like, you have something outside while you're developing your business that could be your side gig where you can make money while you're finishing your business has been an encouragement. And the most recent time I came back, this guy came up to me and really thanked me again for giving Chris this job. But also, literally, he was telling me, I've been here for 10 years, eight months, and I'm coming out actually crazy enough. We're doing the podcast now tomorrow. And he's like, I am so marking PS Kitchen as the first stop. Oh my goodness. And if you would let me wash your dishes or whatever it is, I would just love a shot. And yeah, I am getting chills too. Just stories like this. I'm like, okay. I'm sure those are times you're like, okay, I'm doing the, I'm doing what I'm, I'm in the right place. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my mission. Like, <laughs> yeah. like your God is showing you all of the signs. That's exactly. just beautiful. And especially for so long, I had to keep asking myself, did I do the right thing? Have I lost my mind? With opening up PS Kitchen? It, but yeah. I opening s- up a restaurant's really yeah. difficult. Yeah. I can only, I mean, I don't know from personal experience, but I've heard horror stories and it's very difficult just with the permits alone it's difficult (laughs) it was horror stories upon horror stories and and taking that huge leap of faith it's not like we have huge backing what was the biggest hurdle really building it out and going through the department of building process and just keep being surprised not in a good way and you know I signed this lease at the age of 30. It was a 15-year lease. It was half my life. It was the scariest thing I've ever done uh, still to this day. And it took us a long time to build out. And I remember there was a day about a year and three months in, I think, of the building process. We have put in so much money at this point, you know. I was the only one that was 30. (laughs) My... Like my husband, my business partner, his wife, they were all in their 20s. I was the mature one. Oh, wow. (laughs) We have incredible people that helped us along. Some of you, you would know their names. And one guy in particular, his name is Rob. He was our project manager. And he's in his 50s. Really wonderful guy. And he just watched me through the whole process. At first, I hired him and I was giving, you know, paying him hourly. And he would come up from D.C. to help us. Nine months or so into the project, he looked at me and was just like, April, I was thinking about this. I was praying about it. I can't believe what you're doing. I think you're completely insane. But I want to help you. So I'm done charging you. I want to help and volunteer with my time till you finish this thing. 
Wow. And he stayed on for another year and a half. He's still helping me. He's like a brother to me now. Wow. See, there's good people. There's more good yeah. people in the world. That's You find them. I know. I think when you take a leap of faith, you find them. But I bring him up because even him who believes so much in our project at that year and a three months mark that I was telling you about in this, you know, loving older brother kind of way was like, are you sure you want to keep going? You know, there's nothing wrong with just cutting your losses short. I think it was a great idea. This was prior to opening or, or after? Opening. Oh, okay. And it's yeah, because it getting it open was the hard, biggest hurdle. Exactly. But That's we're tough. here. You're we're here, here now, thriving. We're exactly two years and two months in and still going. I'm sure you're fully staffed now, yeah. right? Yeah. We're... Did you initially reach out for employing staff. everybody? Yeah. Yeah. We are fully staffed at the moment. But as you know, restaurants turnover, it's so significant. So we're constantly Absolutely. looking. Um, specifically, I think you're referring to maybe our, the marginalized population that seems a bit more like people have asked me like, do you like just go and visit in prison? And are you recruiting? Like, no, 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 no. It's not at all I like didn't this. assume that. No, 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 I assume that there's some sort of community outreach. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I would love to know what you're involved with. Yeah. In fact, um, when you're in there, you're really not supposed to do that because you're kind of giving them false hope and you don't know once they're out. I understand that. But um, no, that's a great question. So it allows me to actually mention some of the incredible nonprofits yes, that we that's, partner yes, with. Oh, yes, I was going to actually <laughs> get to that. But yes, please go right Thank ahead. Thank you. So a few of them, we partner up with Osborne Association. Another one called Defy Ventures, the idea of defying the odds. Uh, another one, Go So, getting out and staying out. Those few are the ones that we hire uh, specifically people that might have struggled with, you know, the justice system, previously incarcerated. Uh, we've also partnered out with Barry Mission for people who might have struggled with homelessness in the past. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I really like that a lot. A few different organizations who help with maybe teenagers that are um, at risk. And we try to really get the word out and not specifically only targeting like a small handful of organizations because we want to also maybe challenge other businesses as the word get out that they could also hire in this way. Um, so yeah, we, we're not like, okay, we're only safe jobs for like five or six organizations. I was going to ask you, is there a model that you could, that you are creating or that you did create in, so that other businesses can employ yeah. marginalized individuals as well? Yeah. And is, is that something that you, you think that you could create or you are creating? Yeah, thank you. I think um, that is a big dream of mine. That is a big part of the reason, you know, um, at the beginning, I think less so now, maybe sometimes people ask like, well, wasn't it better to just like donate all the money you put into PS Kitchen <laughs> into a nonprofit or doing work? And um, and I can see maybe like efficiency-wise at the beginning, but I really want to change the way people look at businesses. And I love the idea of social businesses where a business exists solely for the benefit of society, right? And that's why… Um, we want to make it so clear 
um, what we're all about and why it's 100% plant-based, 100% donated profits, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that people, if you don't do all three, that's totally fine. You can pick one. You know, a restaurant could have a lot more vegan options. A restaurant or whatever business can definitely look into hiring people who might need a second chance, whatever that background is. And for sure, I would love for more businesses to donate a certain percent of their profit, not just, you know, for marketing purposes, but really, I do believe so much in just the simple idea that I or anybody, we are where we are so, so much because of circumstances. 100%. So much. And for me, I moved to the States when I was 11 years old. And when my mom was 11, she was already working full-time at a clothing factory. Where did you move from? Uh, From Hong Kong. Okay, wow. And she herself had migrated from China. Oh, wow. And the only reason she was able to move to Hong Kong was because my grandmother had three girls and she needed to really try to make a living after my grandfather was forced to move to the countryside by the government, just a lot of really scary stuff that happened with the revolution and things like that at at that time, at that era where my mom was simply the naughtiest one of the three girls. Uh And my grandma was like, well, I can bring her to Hong Kong so that she doesn't trouble the neighbor that I'm going to leave the two other girls in. And that's how my mom ended up growing up in Hong Kong, even though she was working full-time so early on. I was then born in Hong Kong and had gotten this education to allow me to move to the U.S., went to MIT, then, you know, work in an investment bank. And I just know to the core of my core that, yes, okay, maybe I worked hard for it or whatever it is that people might say, but I know so much of it is just the opportunities. It's open doors by things that are outside of my control. So that's why I always say, like, giving back, it's not just like the right thing to do is not charity. It really is the idea of justice. It's like the fair thing to do because I've gotten all of this so much out of my own control. And if you and I were sitting at dinner and and I randomly just got like a huge plate of food, I think I would naturally be like, oh my gosh, you should have some. Like why? I don't it's the need humane thing to do, right? Exactly. If someone else is hungry, you feed them. Someone else needs clothes, you clothe them. Yeah. That's Yeah, that's the basic principles of being a good-hearted individual. And I, it's interesting that you live this major duality where you grew up in a way that really impacted your values to give back to people and animals because it's, it's it cuts <laughs> yeah. both ways, right? Because you didn't just start, you didn't open up a restaurant that is contributing to the cruelty of animals. So you opened up a business that is not only employing people, but it's making a difference. And it's also shining light on our criminal justice system and how unfair it is, right? Mm-hmm. There are so many people, they're sitting behind bars for crimes that are not harmful to anybody. They didn't hurt anybody. You know, they're not a threat to society. People change. Things happen. We are all allowed to change. And the fact that you're showing people that there is an opportunity. Listen, there's only 45 people to employ at PS Kitchen. There's thousands, millions of other people that are marginalized in many different ways, not just from being incarcerated, right? Many different ways. Yeah. And, And that's why the profit that we, you know, that we 
want to pass on to all these organizations. Like we haven't even gone to the to my deep passion of I go to Haiti a lot and we serve women who are in the garment sector. And recently, a few donors, good friends, and I have partnered up and we've started three schools in Congo. Wow, that's awesome. And it's just all about, you know, I share all this. There are so many different ways that, yeah, people could really be born in difficult situations, but it's about how you lift them up. And the schools in Congo, these are in the most war-torn areas. And... You know, an incredible fact of how one stats that I love recently. So these schools are, they're all around this region called Goma. And they're through an organization called Justice Rising. And there's a little map I can show you that you can see like PS Justice, PS Grace, and PS Kindness. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it's one of my favorite maps now. But, <laughs> but what I love is nothing that I, what I did. It's just really funding it. It's the easy part. It's the incredible quality of education these people on the ground have provided. So the latest stats that we got back, 98.1% of our primary school students passed the national exam and 100% of the secondary school students passed. Congratulations. And what's really amazing, thank you, is A, these schools are all 50-50 uh, girls and boys, which is like, unheard of in these regions when you have to plead for the dads to let the girls go to school. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't even realize. Think about that. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, why educate a girl? It's, it's something that is actually just a really common question um, when they can stay at home and help and things like why that. Why educate a girl? You're the perfect example of why to educate a girl. Look at all the difference you're making in the world. And what's really amazing of all of that, it's of the kids that I just told you about who passed the exams, 50, it's passing. And 70, it's crushing it. And you can qualify for an elite high school in the area. Oh, wow. Of the seven who got over 70, six of them were girls. And it just… Yay, girl power. So sweet. And it just shows you like… <laughs> again, the idea of like somebody just need to give them that hand up. Not hand out, as you see on our website. I think a big part of that, people feel like they feel useless or worthless or mm-hmm. not good enough. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that they they actually have the tools to move forward and they can and yes. they and that they have whatever tools, whatever their passion is, whatever direction they want to go in, they have the tools to do it. They just have to believe in themselves. And sometimes it takes just somebody that they don't know or someone in general, maybe no one has ever believed in them. Every like like you said before, we all come from, you know, different backgrounds. We need to be empathetic with each other. And I think that what you're doing is opening up that conversation to not close people out. And I think it's extremely interesting because, you know, working for an investment bank, you're working in a world where it's all about, I'm sure, where you went to school, what you <laughs> did, right? It's all about like how someone looks like on paper. There's some of that, yeah. And for you to open up a business mm-hmm. and say, that's all out the window. I just want someone to look me in the eyes and say they're going to work hard and come to work and be diligent and want to improve every day. That's all you can ask for. I love the idea of just my husband, funnily enough, sometimes call me like the cheerful question mark. I'm like people looking in our lives and be like, wait, what? Like that doesn't make sense. And the idea of this business being so doesn't make sense. Like I get all of like, why is it vegan? Wait, what? Why do you give away all the profit? How do you, you know, like things that I understand why normal people might ask. And it's it's 
a great way for me to kind of engage those conversation. For sure. Um, and if I may, I actually have a quick story. Yeah. When you just said that totally resonated with me so much. It just takes that one person. Yes. So one of my last trip, you know, back to that prison I was just telling you about. Uh, this this guy, amazing guy named Peng, spoke for us when he was in there. He has since, you know, he has come out a few years ago, but he was inside for 13 years. Really heartbreaking story. He essentially um, got into trouble for something that he never, he never even did anything. But his friend caught him, <laughs> videoed, or I guess recorded him saying that, oh, maybe I should do something, which he was not at all planning on doing. Long story short, without getting into any of that, he got arrested and was literally facing the death penalty for saying that. And he was like, I've never held a gun in my life. I don't even know where to get one. I don't own one. I was saying things. I was 19 years old. I was being a kid. Which a lot of people speak out of their ass, basically, for lack of a better phrase. And and he just happened to be recorded. He was recorded and it's so heartbreaking. It believe it or not, he because of that, he actually was legitimately facing the death penalty. Oh my goodness. And because he was even just saying this, and I understand, especially like I think there's a big part about like family and how family comes first and all of that, especially as a boy in like the Asian culture. So he was really doing a lot of this because his dad was asking him for help. And the police end up getting arresting him and his dad. And because he saw how much his dad was becoming more and more frail every time they would meet again in the courthouse because yeah. they were separated in two different prisons while they were waiting for trial. At some point, he just said, hey, can I just sign whatever you guys need me to sign and help my dad get out? And he ended up signing. He was like, you know, me talking about such a small thing. Like when you're around people like this, me talking about it was the scariest thing ever to sign that 15-year lease, right? This man is sitting there at 19 years old, signing away the next 15 years of his life so that they could hopefully get his dad out sooner. He said, I admit whatever you want me to admit. I share all this because you can imagine how for the next 10 years, he was living in this way that was just so hopeless and he's given up on himself. He was like, I would get in trouble. I would drink. I would do just whatever in prison. I don't care. I'm not even like, no one cares about me anymore. I became a number until one day. It's the worst feeling. Yeah. And until one day, he accidentally, he didn't even mean to sign up for the five ventures I was just telling you about. Inside, he said he thought it was guitar lessons. <laughs> and then <laughs> this one guy, just one person, was listening to his pitch. Part of this CEO of your new life program I was telling you about. He gave him some constructive feedback, was a little harsh on him, but really was not like sympathy, but like, Hey, I believe in this business, but you need to fix these seven things. Simple. And what caught him was 30 minutes later, the guy looked around all over the room, found him again, tapped him on the shoulder. was like, oh, Ping, I forgot to tell you one more thing. I was thinking about your business. Do this and that. And he said literally that moment changed his entire trajectory. That is so inspiring. Wow. He could not stop thinking about that moment for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week, because he realized, why is this man still thinking about me? 
Why am I on his mind? And that's when it hit him. I still matter. I actually have value. And I can do something. And so… Yeah, we all have something to offer. We don't know if this guy was wealthy or not. We don't know anything about this volunteer guy. But he had the day off to go in prison. And he had the time to listen to Peng and really gave him thoughtful feedback. And that was it. And since then, he's become a really successful staff at Defy. And now he is running this like department for this like export-import business. <laughs> Wow. Wow. What a story. Wow. That is, wow. That is so inspiring to feel like you're just a number and then to have just one person really just change your perception. That's all it is. I feel like when people are in a situation where they're trapped or they feel like they're trapped and they don't have a lot of hope, it's just really hard to see that. And it's amazing. It's a huge duality for you to be in these environments where you are in the financial district and you're around all of this money and everyone making money and dealing with all of these numbers, right? And then so it's it's basically like these two extremes. I'm sure it provides you with even more gratitude than you already went in with. Being so, not only being gracious, but being grateful for your opportunity in life, for your position in life. I'm sure you're even grateful for the beginning of your life because it impacted you not only to become this amazing investment banker, but to also become the human being that you are in your entire life. And I'm sure it affects even how you do business. I can't believe I only met you like an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) You're like taking words out of my mouth in the sense of I always use the word like, I feel such a deep sense of gratitude and purpose that I know it's not like I'm such a wonderful person for doing all these things. It's like I am getting so much quote unquote out of it because I would want everybody to live with such a sense of purpose and gratitude. And also like what would I be making money for if I don't have such incredible things that I can help and fund and partner with, you know? It's because I know how much it costs to build a school in in Congo. It's because I know how much it costs for us to have funded the last 5,000 women for breast cancer and cervical cancer in the middle of a garment sector in Haiti. You know, or but it's more than just the cost of everything, right? It's the impact that you're having. Not just like I said before, you're not just writing a check. You're having an impact on each individual, and that to me is so much more worth mm. your time, money, energy yes, than everything. writing to just an association sure. that's going to, you know, have a gala. And, I, and I'm sure there's some, you know, I, I'm not putting down any any gala <laughs> or anything. They raise a lot of money, but it's where is it going? And it, you yeah, know what I mean? It's definitely a gift, I think, for me to be able to, I always say, people sometimes ask me like, well, do I donate my time? Do I donate my money? Like, what should I, and I'm like, No, the biggest gift for me has been giving to places I serve at or serving at places I give to. That's a great way to put it. It's getting to see, man, not just the impact, but also the people and getting to know the people. Like every trip I've gone down to Haiti, like the 14, 15 times I've gone and seen the people that 
I get to serve and I get to personally tell them and I truly mean every word of it. You know, back to the affirming significance thing. Like one of my last trip, I was in this classroom and tearing up and telling these men and women like, I told them my own story of coming from a garment sector women. So it really encourages them to know that their kids can go on and do other things. But also getting to tell them like, I work in New York, but when I'm in New York, when I'm working, I think of you. And I really, really do. I think it's because of them that it really gets me going to keep doing the same job, keep fighting hard in my day job. And also getting other people involved. You know, I've actually gotten the chance to bring coworkers with me to Haiti. Wow. Gotten coworkers to come with me to prison and to serve at a safe home for women that are trafficked. That's another passion of mine. It's colliding my two worlds. So it's not really work-life balance. It's really this idea of a virtuous cycle of one thing pushing another, pushing another. Wow. What I find is the most helpful and going back to this whole sense of gratitude. And I feel like you're getting, you're, it's almost like you're being rewarded by seeing people flourish, by seeing the impact. Like that's the reward, right? Like you said, your work never stops because you're constantly. I have two jobs. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Because you have PS Kitchen, but you do so much more to make a difference. That's, that's really kind. Thank you. And I love the idea of, I truly feel like it's a get to like I really feel like oh I get to go to Haiti I get to go to prison exactly I get to I get to run PS like I'm the steward of PS Kitchen like what a privilege it is that at 30 years old I could take that leap of faith and start something so crazy and be able to just actually execute and and not a have to I think that's the difference when you really start start to see like oh I get to do all these things not like oh I should volunteer more, I should donate more, I should, 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 then then that would that would probably, yeah, affect that sense of gratitude. That and that goes back to talk the way we talk to ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be saying I should, right? Yeah. We should be saying I'm going to and when, or I want to. Yeah. And and I think maybe I think a big thing to that is I owe it to not just the way that my parents brought me up and seeing how fortunate I am, you know, just even comparing my my own childhood to theirs. But also, you know, when I was 25, 26 and taking that first trip to an orphanage in South Africa and serving kids that are HIV positive. I think I was still like young enough. I had volunteered up in the Bronx for a few years as a mentor prior to that. But being in my mid-20s and being in the middle, you know, of just all of these children that are HIV positive and living in an orphanage, you know, and seeing their joy and their gratitude for life. And, you know, one story I always share that like rocked me was like one of the last days, these girls that were like 12 to 13 wrote me this sweet letter and was like, Auntie April, like we loved our time with you. And, you know, they feel true gratitude for living at this orphanage, even though it sounds almost that sentence is ironic, but they're like, we have water here. We have a roof. And then they asked me for all of these things where each item was for a friend at school. Oh. <laughs> and that was the beginning of so many things. That's when I went on my next trip to Africa. Then my first of 14 trips to Haiti. It just kind of kept going because I just saw like 
oh man, like I am so grateful that I get to see these things to set my career in a slightly different trajectory. It's like, okay, you know, at that age, I started to think, okay, what if, yeah, like I don't need to spend more, even though I will make more. Like what if an increase of my income, it's an increase of standard of giving as opposed to my standard of living. What if the biggest mission is riding up the corporate ladder but for different reasons, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm I'm really also grateful that I've gone to be exposed early on, but it's never too late of like, this is this is what my life could be for and there's nothing more meaningful. And I realized that that trip, what am I ever going to buy? Really? What am I ever going to spend my time doing? What vacation can I take that would renew me and rejuvenate me and give me such a sense of purpose? Like, there's nothing. I can't think of anything I want to well, buy. Well, you deserve to still take a vacation and sit on <laughs> yes, the beach. But I just meant like you probably could be living there for half the month out of the year and you're not. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's just so rewarding. Yeah. What um, organizations does PS Kitchen give their profit to? Yes. I, I love the opportunity to talk about all the incredible nonprofits we just love dearly. One of them is called Share Hope. They are very, most of the organizations I support are, are quite grassroots. Um, walking alongside those are just like, you know, really trying to grow and they're running so lean. Um, so Share Hope is one of them. Um, they serve women, actually men and women, but just because so many women work in the garment sector. So they work, they serve workers in the garment sector in Haiti. Um, it's a, you can imagine, rather marginalized group where we have offered them, like I mentioned, breast cancer, cervical cancer screening. We've screened 5,000 women over the last year. Night classes for them to finish high school. Sign language classes for deaf workers, etc. Um, another one that I love, it's called Justice Rising. Um, they specifically build schools and give incredible quality educations in war-torn areas like Syria, Iraq, but currently also mainly Congo. So the schools I was just telling you about are the 14, 15, and 16 school that they're building. Wow. Uh, as well as uh, Restore. It's a local organization that serves women who are survivors of trafficking. And the really fun thing is actually, if you come to PS, you flip to the back of these menus you can see a description of many of them. And it's another way for us to be, I guess, generous with our space and our brand. We want people to come in and get exposed to these organizations that might not necessarily be well-known yet or have the PR budget to get the word out. So we name some of our cocktails after them. If you look at our cocktail menu, it's definitely on the back of all of our lunch, dinner, dessert menus, etc. I always love going to PS Kitchen because it always makes me feel good spending money there because I you. you feel like you're you know you're having a good meal you're having fun and then you also feel like you're making a little contribution you to something are. you know you what I mean like it feels are. good it's better than just going I mean I love going everywhere <laughs> but I mean it's it's just you you feel better about the meal you really are like again because of our business model like we're not trying to spend money we don't spend money on PR really and by people coming in and supporting us and spreading the word, that's how we survive. What is coming up for PS Kitchen? Is there anything that, any new dishes that you guys are bringing to the menu or anything, any events or anything you have coming up? 
Uh, we just recently added the chicken Thai chili sandwich, which is my now personal favorite. Ooh. It's super delicious. Uh, so I'm excited about that. We are in talks with a few different potentials of maybe expanding. So it's TBD on that. That's very exciting. Can you just say whether it would be in Manhattan, in New York, or another state? It probably wouldn't be in Manhattan. But yeah, it's too early. Ooh, yeah, I have a hunch that means Brooklyn. <laughs> no, sorry, it wouldn't be. It, wouldn't, meant, it yeah, wouldn't be in Manhattan? No. It wouldn't be in New York at all? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's so, great. That's yeah, great. So you'd be so, really expanding. So we'll see. Yeah. That's very exciting. And what would you say is the number one selling item? Definitely our PS burger, followed by simply the smoky barbecue burger. People just love the burger. The burger and fries are so good. Yeah. Like I, they're, it's just, I, and for anyone that doesn't know, it's the Beyond Burger, but you guys put your own Thousand Island dressing yes. on it. That's just, I, it's almost like you feel like you're in like <laughs> a, a burger ad with it like oozing everywhere. And, yeah. Oh, it's so delicious. And, and the fries. Oh, I love talking about colliding two worlds. I love coworkers that are like, oh, I don't, I don't eat vegan. <laughs> and they come in and they try the burger and they look at me with this face like, this is vegan? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's that been really fun. That's been really fun. I've taken some non-vegan people there and they enjoyed it tremendously. Oh, and it's always so exciting to see that when non-vegan family yeah. or friends come with you to a place that you love and they give their seal of approval. And you're like, yeah. yes, I told you. See, vegan food is amazing. Yeah, it's really <laughs> fun. I've had girlfriends who like sneak it home for their boyfriends and purposely not tell them it's vegan. And they don't even realize it. That's pretty funny and cute. That's the best. <laughs> That's the absolute best. Well, oh. I did have one other question for sure. you before we leave. Yeah. How did you transition to going vegan? Starting PS Kitchen. That's what started it. That definitely. That's what started That's it. That's just immediately. And you just gave up everything? I tried out vegetarian for all of a week. And I was like, I could do this. And of course, all the forks over knives… You watched all the documentaries. I mean, the moment I started to consider it, you know, my friend who helped me put together like hiring people and put this whole thing together because I have no restaurant experience said to me, okay, I would help you, but under one condition, it has to be vegan. And I remember thinking, wait, what? I've never even considered this. And I am so glad. I can't believe I ever thought about it not being vegan now that I understand what a social business is because I was an environmental engineering major when I was an undergrad. I definitely feel a strong sense of compassion and I really truly believe it's healthy for everyone. So I'm so grateful it is vegan. I love that the philanthropy is what brought you to the veganism because nor what brought you to veganism because what it normally is is people go vegan yeah, and hurt. then discover that, wow, there's so many, you know, there's so many people and, and animals being exploited because people don't realize the exploitation mm -hmm. for not only the animals, but also for human beings yes. across a bunch of different industries, including, so including the, the farming industry is totally. really horrible the way people get treated. Totally. And how not to die is that if you work in a chicken farm, you're nine times more likely to get pancreatic cancer. Oh my Nine goodness. Times. And smoking, it's quote unquote only two times. So it, it, it's crazy. As I That's learn a statistic more, that really should 
How not to die. Yeah. yeah, should really sit with people. But it's it's so interesting that you started out, like I said, as a philanthropist and then wound up going vegan. And you were like, wow, yeah, of course this makes sense. Thank like, God it is vegan. <laughs> and I'm sure it changed your life and I'm yes. sure you feel better and I'm, I'm sure you're even sharper and working even more efficiently, you know, um, than no you even did before. for sure. <laughs> Once you go vegan, nothing tastes as good as vegan feels. That's for sure. Well, thank you so much, April. I really appreciate you being here. Thank and it was you. such a pleasure. So inspiring. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Please make sure to subscribe to the Vegan Connection podcast and follow P.S. Kitchen, April Tam Smith, and of course, The Vegan New Yorker on Instagram. 